0: Hi, it's Tony Kornheiser. The podcast is coming up in just a moment, but the sales weasels have got some sponsorships up front.
1: Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show.
2: Rick Vaughn, the great PR director, once said to him, Hey Brooksy, could you call this uh, sick kid in New York PA? Um mean a lot to me if you could give him a call. You know, Brooksy like you don't know if he's listening or not. Brooksy was so happy, he was like he had so many people approaching him. And like a couple days later, Rick says to him, uh, Hey Brooksy, did you have a chance to call that kid in New York? And he goes, Nah, you know, I just drove up there to see him.
0: Figured it would mean something to him. The
1: Tony Kornheiser Show is on now.
0: That was Richard Justice from the other day, of course, and Buster Olney joins us now. Younger than all of us, Buster Olney is. Did you have any interactions with Brooks Robinson over the years, or are you too young for that?
2: In the two years, I covered the Orioles for the Baltimore Sun. I talked to him on the phone a couple of times. Um, so I, I don't have any special stories other than, you know, what I hear through other people. And he's one of those people who nobody has a bad word to say about. And every all the stories line up. Yeah. Uh, all the stories are exactly the same, that he was this incredibly generous person who, you know, you heard this phrase over and over and over again. He was a Hall of Fame baseball player, but he was an even better person. Everybody loved him.
0: Nah, that's good. It's really good to know because, I mean, that's, that's Timmy feels that way and Richie feels that way, and they knew him, and, and that's great to know. Before we get into the baseball aspect of this, I need to talk to you a little bit about ice cream. There is a local <laughs> ice cream here, as everybody knows and Buster knows. I'm trying to find the best coffee ice cream, in my opinion, that, that I can eat because I love coffee ice cream. So there's a guy who makes ice cream here locally, Morenko, M-O-O-R-E-N-K-O. And I guess the Moo in Morenko oh, sure. might be his last name, but it might be Moo because he's trying to tell us this ain't almond milk. All right. <laughs> there is no almond milk. This is Moo milk. So I'm, I'm going to ask you, Buster, about, you know, protocol on ice cream. He sends three ice creams <laughs> to the PTI show. He sends them to Bonnie. Bonnie's going to deliver them to me. Three different ice creams. Okay, uh, one is a kid's ice cream. It's like got a lot of junk in it, you know. And then one is a ginger ice cream, and one is a cinnamon uh, cappuccino ice cream, which I guess is the closest thing he's got to coffee. Well, it's it's a DQ right away because you know it's not coffee. It's <laughs> right. it's not coffee. It's an amalgam. It doesn't really work. Anyway, Bonnie brings them over last night, and I open them, and the kid's ice cream is blue. It's bright blue. I shut that immediately. <laughs> Michael can take it home to the kids if he wants, but it's bright blue. I'm not eating bright blue. <laughs> yeah, you eat this, kid. I look at ginger. I hate ginger. I just look at it. And the ginger and the cinnamon cappuccino have been eaten, Buster. It's like one third wow. down. It's one third down. People um, ate them. Mm-hmm. I just said to Bonnie, there's no way. I'm not putting a spoon in it. I'm not doing it. Am I wrong? Am I wrong?
2: Uh, no. Uh, and my question was, did you ask Bonnie about, okay, Bonnie, let's get real here. Where did that third of the ice cream cup go? You know?
3: She said to I me. Mean, right away. It's not that long like of a drive.
2: We're in the chain of command for the ice cream.
0: That's what she said. She said, I put your name on it. I can't believe this happened. I said, I'm sure people wanted to do it because you put my name on it. But I'm not, I'm not experimenting with ice cream that's been eaten, right?
2: Oh, it, well, and, and, and let's face it, I, I mean, if you're not going to get exactly what you've been pining for, Coffee. then I, it's a non-starter, right. right? Good.
0: That's I, I, I feel much better about that. That, that was my action. <laughs> I accused one or two specific people of doing it, but I'm, I'm not even going to mention that now. And also, before we get to the sweeps, because sweeps make it seem like that the baseball wasn't even played. I think I have, a, I have the same burning question that oh, I, I think a lot of people who really do like baseball, love baseball, have. Why do Tampa Bay and Miami have franchises? Nobody, if you can't go to the playoffs, what, what are we talking about?
2: Yeah, that was embarrassing. Uh, for the franchises, it was embarrassing for baseball, you know, to have a crowd show up in that first playoff game that was 10,000 people fewer than the average regular season crowd that they have this year. It, it's a terrible look. Uh, and I think yeah. it, you know, just having gone to a lot of games down there, I think it probably reflects, you know, the general enthusiasm for the team in that area. It's the reason why, you know, it's taken so long for them to get a ballpark deal. I'm sure you guys read, uh, you know, Tony, that you read in the last uh, yeah. month that they yeah. have a, you know, a stadium coming in. Boom. But, man, I, I, it was ugly to have that. Uh, and,. You know, good for Major League Baseball, or lucky for Major League Baseball that uh, you know the first sight of the day was that uh, the empty seats in Tampa Bay, but then the last sight was that crowd in Philadelphia. Philadelphia,
0: special. No, it was it was terrible. It looked like a USFL game. I mean, it was just it was it was terrible to me. Oh no! Do you explain something to me? Maybe I have this completely wrong. Atlanta is the number one team by record in the National League and in all of baseball. I just assumed Philadelphia was three, or is Philadelphia four? Why would Atlanta play Philly?
2: Well, because it's a one versus four. Philadelphia Philly is, is four. The one wild card team. It, it would be so the two and three teams, the two, three bracket, two, three, six bracket are together, and the one, four, five bracket are together. So, and there is certainly an argument to be made for reseeding yes. after each round. Yes. And, you know, it's something that I think baseball should consider going forward because this series coming up between the Phillies and the Braves is Ollie Frazier of sure. this season And the idea that it's going to be a best-of-five rather than a best-of-seven is a disappointment. I can't wait for this. <laughs> like, these are arguably right now – The two best teams in baseball, uh, you know, the Braves with all their success during the season, that incredible lineup, all the power, and now playing the Phillies. And I I did that series on television, and I got to say, I don't see a team beating them. Uh, It's a great team. They uh, came so close to winning the World Series last year. They're so motivated. I've got a suit hanging in my garage that has a .35 blood alcohol level from that <laughs> celebration the other day, okay? Uh, they are absolutely locked in right now, and they will be really tough to beat.
0: Well, look at the starts they got from Wheeler and Nola. A- and then uh, I was saying this before we went on the air. If I'm a pitcher, the la- honestly, the last person on earth I want to face with my opening pitch is Kyle Schwarber. He got 47 home runs. He's a beast, and he doesn't care if he strikes out. He doesn't care. I mean, right? That's a such a tough ask, Kyle Schwarber. Well, it,
2: it's so funny that you know you'll get a lot of old school uh, responses on social media about what are we doing here? Kyle Schwarber hit under 200 during the oh. year. That's an embarrassment. That's not real baseball. Mm. <laughs> and my response is, who cares about the batting average? The guy is a 350 on base percentage. And when he steps in the box, the pitcher is on the defensive. Yes. He knows that if he makes a mistake or if he can't get a, a fastball, high fastball right where he wants it, it's going to wind up 450 feet from home plate. That's, that's, and you talk about a tone setter for that line. I'm right from the jump. It's like the Braves with Acuna. Yes. Yeah. the pitcher is on the defensive yeah. from the first pitch of the game.
0: I agree with that. So four sweeps, which one surprised you the most?
2: Probably the Diamondbacks beating the Brewers because, really, from the middle of August to the end of the year, the Brewers had by far the best pitching staff in baseball. Their ERA as a team was a half a run better than any other team. And it looked like they were lined up to have this dominant staff through the playoffs. I picked them to not only beat the Diamondbacks, to get, but also to get through the Dodgers this round who are vulnerable. But right on the eve of the playoffs, you know, they find out that Brandon Woodruff – one of their best starters, wasn't going to be available. Uh, and, you know, they had Corbin Burns in the mound in game one. They had a 3-0 lead, and they squandered that, yes. and they just fell apart. And I, I say this, and I was talking about this yesterday with Jeff Pass and my colleague at ESPN, that uh, these we, we've now had two years of wild-card best-of-three series, and seven of the eight have been 2-0 sweeps. And I really think that unlike any other – Any other playoff series in baseball, man, momentum plays, (laughs) and you feel it. Like the Marlins, it felt like going into Game Two against the Phillies. If they didn't score the first run in that game, they're done.
0: They had no chance. Uh, No chance. They were
2: right on the ledge right from the beginning of these series, and I think that's why we're seeing all these sweeps.
0: I'm going to go to the other side of the aisle here. The American League East went kaboom. I was saying all year, that's the best division in baseball. That may be the best division in all of sports. And they, Toronto, lost to a team, I understand it's over a long period of time, but Minnesota hadn't won a playoff game since 2004. They'd lost 18 in a row. If you make the playoffs, you are by definition a good team relative to the other teams in the league. And they'd lost 18 in a row, and they won that. And and on the other side, Texas... Texas won, and now I fear for the Orioles because now I think I'm wrong about the division. What do you think?
2: I I think that it it didn't have nearly as much depth as we thought because of the struggles of the Yankees and the Red Sox. It it wasn't as good. And, you know, during the year when you talk to people around baseball, even though the Blue Jays made the playoffs, there was a surprise that the Blue Jays weren't a better team. Uh, I I think you're right to be afraid for the Orioles because the Rangers— they are you know, like uh, the, the elementary school bully who's coming for your lunch money. That group of players, that personality of that team, Marcus Simeon you know, is the leader of that team, and Corey Seager, and now Max Scherzer, who's going to throw uh, live to hitters today. He may wind up pitching in this series if Ooh. he's okay you know, coming through today. Bruce Bochy, Hall of Fame manager leading the team in a great offense. You know, they're going to handle this moment. And as with all teams, as we saw it with the Marlins, we, and we had the question we had about the Diamondbacks going in, with a young team, how do you handle the extra adrenaline of playoffs? And we don't know that yet about the Orioles.
0: Yeah, that's how I feel. I, I was. Uh, I, by the way, I was also surprised. I've been giving the Orioles a lot of credit lately for this two-year turnaround. Well, Arizona had it too. Arizona lost 100 games two years ago. I did not realize that. I didn't.
2: Well, and I say this, we, we do need to put this all into context whenever you see these turnarounds because the team's tanked.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> right?
2: They intentionally lost game. The ownership basically decided, you know what, we're going to make a lot of money, we're going to cut our payroll to nothing, we're going to collect talent, and we move forward. So it wasn't, you know, it, there's a, it's a little bit more nuanced than, yeah, we got really good in two years. Well, no, actually, you started trying. He started trying to get better with the franchise, and both teams took that route.
0: That makes all sense. Um, I'll get you out of here on this. Your thoughts on Terry Francona? Uh,
2: What And I got a chance to work with him on Sunday Night Baseball for a year. I think it was back in 2012. He's someone, uh, we were talking about Brooks Robinson, who everyone has a great story about and a great connection with. That's the way Tito is. I don't think I can top Tim Kirchner's story. Uh, necessarily about uh, you know running out of gas on the highway with Terry Francona. I don't know if you've heard that
0: story. No, tell it.
2: It's an, well, it, they basically in spring training they were headed to a ball game and they ran out of gas. They wound up pushing the car on the side of the highway, you know, it, with the pressure of getting to a ballpark. And Tito, of course, the whole time just riding. Uh, <laughs> I think it was Tim and, and one of our other colleagues. Uh, everybody's got these awesome stories about him. Uh, he has an amazing connection with players. I always liked the fact that uh, every year he'd pick two or three guys that he would play cribbage with and basically take their money the whole year. It was one of the ways that he connected with players. It was one of the reasons why you know, he was such a good manager. In three years, he'll make a speech in Cooper's now.
0: Yeah, he should be in the Hall of Fame. And by the way, if you don't think the players loved him, when they knew it was his last home game at Cleveland, they would not let him into the dugout. They forced him to go out there and listen to the applause from them and for the fans. Yeah, we had him We've had him on PTI a few times and just totally totally delightful guy. Buster, uh, thanks for getting up early. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon.
2: Okay, guys, take care. Buster Keep only down.
0: Buster only boys and girls who get, who not only gives us baseball but gives us the protocols for eating ice cream if somebody else has eaten it. I didn't say this at the top of the show, I don't think. Usually we have an open in which I babble. Um, I didn't babble today because we felt the need to have extra guests because of the playoffs going out early and didn't want to wait till Monday on that. So we put an extra guest in the show, which occasionally happens. We will be back with the sort of standard show, Jason and Fora, when we come back. I'm Tony Kornheiser.
1: You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The
4: Tony Kornheiser Show. Mr. Tony had three chickens, and he gave them all names. The chickens were rejoicing, said, hooray, we're all saved. I said, don't get too cocky, your path may yet be narrow. What's your names? They said, Novak Djokovic, Dominic Smith, and Wander (laughs) Square. What's your names? They said, Novak Djokovic, Dominic Smith, and Wander Swero. Well, Novak, he went pecking all around the yard. Dominic Smith said, let's relax, drink beer, and play some cards. Wander Suero burped and casually shot his bow and arrow three do chickens Novak Djokovic, Dominic Smith, and Wander Swarrow. <laughs> Mr. Tony, he came outside and fired up his grill, stirred some barbecue sauce. He smiled and ate a kosher dill, said, where's my three little chickadees? I'm hungry as the fairy. That Djokovic, Dominic Smith, and Wander Swero I made you know that Djokovic, Dominic Smith, and Wander Swero
0: He's totally brilliant. <laughs> Dan Byrne, he's totally brilliant. <laughs> it's beyond belief yes. how brilliant Dan Byrne is. Yes. Three chickens Just amazing. Dan Thanks, Dan. Plays in Jason Locke in four and Fora. Uh, let me do this professional read if I could. We're joined by Odyssey NFL insider Jason Lockenfora, host of the Odyssey original podcast, In the Huddle, with Brian Baldinger and Carl Dukes covering the entire NFL. How'd that sound to you, Jason? Sound good?
3: That sounded amazing.
0: Yeah, that's a first shot at it, too. I'm really (laughs) happy about it. I am
3: fired up for the weekend now, so. All right.
0: (laughs) Let's start with the easy things. What did we learn from last night? What a disaster for the Washington football team. What did we learn?
3: Oh, boy. Um... Well, we we learned that the uh, rot in that Washington defense runs deep, yeah, yeah, um, and that it's sort of like systemic at this point, and you just wonder um, when that stops, if that stops, how that stops, and and um, whether you you need to eradicate a person or two from that situation to try to help it stop in a more timely fashion because it's been going on for years. Uh, it it was kind of baffling. I I thought this would be a game where finally Sam Howe is not under duress because the Bears came in with two sacks to their name, right? And it's the Bears and they just blew another lead, um, another huge lead, to now be in a historic state where they've lost 14 in a row and they've given up 25 or more in all those games. And now they're coming to your place in a short week while they're really licking their wounds and while a lot of people in the business think the only reason the coach wasn't fired in Chicago is because it is such a short week and it's such a, a, quick turnaround, and they get. I mean, the first half, like that, that that can't happen. I mean, to be that far down, and to have 84 yards to your name, and and the Bears have you know basically 300 as a team in the first half. DJ
0: Moore looked like Jerry Rice. Look no, at Jerry I mean, Rice, it's like
3: no nobody. I mean, the tackling was horrible. The, the scheme and the calls were horrible. Uh, the last touchdown, just an absolute backbreaker. Um, there's a lot I don't understand about the Keklanders. I mean, you're down that deep to start the second half. And Tony, I, I monitor these things because I'm a degenerate. They're snapping the ball in five, four, two, one. 4 2 one Like, what, what, are, what world, what planet are yeah. we on where you think you've got minutes to just give away? Like, why they didn't come out with a bunch of plays in Sam Howe's head and, you know, a plan, and we're going to go no huddle or we're at least going to go hurry up. Like, I, I don't, I, none of it, none of it made sense, especially while the Bears are dropping like flies. I'm just like, why don't they pick the pace? Like, why haven't they snapped the ball? Why it, haven't they snapped the ball? The lead story in the post. in the huddle? What, do they not understand how the scoreboard yeah. works?
0: The lead so, story in the post, the first line is, it's the kind of game that gets people fired.
3: Yeah, well, it it, it yeah. was a disaster. Um, yeah, and how they sort of conspired to 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 lose by that margin and to not score any points um, against again a, a defense that made was making since since week nine of last year they were making everybody look like Peyton Manning. Um, I mean, opposing quarterback rating of almost one ten over that span. And and look, and Hal did do his thing, and I thought he'd go off but it ended up ringing pretty hollow given the circumstances, so yeah, look, Fields has been very active the last few weeks, and he's scoring a bunch of touchdowns. There's still not a winning operation there in Chicago, and that's that's just a game that the Commanders can't lose. They, they can't lose that game that way.
0: Does this save Matt Eberflus for the entire season?
3: Um, I don't know. We've got a long ways yeah. to go here. Uh, you know, again, that family is averse to taking real action, you know, being proactive. Uh, like, they don't want to pay people to go away. There's there's a lot of things that they don't believe in that generally kind of um, at, at, in one way or another are about their uh, you know, the, their frugal nature. Um, but I, I... He's not, luck. they're they're going to have a really high pick. People shouldn't get too carried away about this one win. There's not going to be that many of them. And the bottom line is they're going to have uh, two of the top picks in this draft, maybe the top two picks in this draft. And I I don't believe, um, and the industry doesn't believe, that Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles are going to be there to to coach and select those players.
0: Okay, that's good to know. Um, I noticed that uh, Jacksonville is again in London this week. State yeah. over which I think is smart, why is the NFL is, is the NFL correct in your opinion to keep trying to do these games in London and Mexico City is this a smart move does do, do, the NFL pa good with it
3: um, yeah I mean this stuff is, is you know it 's not dropping from the sky, so you know they they collectively bargain windows yeah. where they could do certain things and you you try to you know lay out the 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 work rules surrounding that—that that you hope uh, take into account—you uh, know, player health and safety, and bodies that need to recover, and so and so on and so forth. But they play Thursday night every week, so um, yeah. you know that kind of tells you all you need to know. Like, is it? Look, they're making money. I mean, they're doing it because you will reach a saturation point in this country with people's desire to go to football games and deal with all the ancillary stuff that. Go into that experience, which you know will wipe out half your day or all your night, and so they're looking to continually grow the game in places where they don't think they're anywhere close to a saturation point. And you know, can 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 they take what would have been a you know marginal regional game in most cases, um, involving a market Jacksonville that is by no means you know robust or large, right. and turn it into a a a you know quasi continental wide event and certainly you know uk wide event uh which will eventually be probably eight times a year and and the answer to that is wow. yeah and does a sold out wembley stadium pay more than uh you know 55 60% filled whatever they call the jacksonville stadium now like
0: waffle house you, i think they call sure. it sure yeah
3: all, like waffle all yeah, yeah um all that all that stuff, you know, the Florida Man Stadium or whatever. <laughs> uh, so that's not going away, Tony. And, and you're get, you know, okay. and Mexico City certainly not going yeah, away. Especially when Azteca gets totally turned around. And then Brazil is on the horizon. Really? And, oh, okay. oh, yeah. Brazil. Yeah. Wow. And I didn't the know Germany that. thing will be ramped up probably pretty quickly. Okay. Where we get to the point of a couple of. You know, we're going to have more cities in Germany involved in this and more stadiums in Germany involved in this. And, you know, they they certainly are eyeing China. Um, This isn't going to stop. This is, again, a way that these owners feel like they can continue to line their pockets. Mm -hmm. And with the way revenue sharing, you know, in the NFL works, it's not just about that being a better weekend for Shad Khan and, and, you know, Wembley than he would have had in, in Florida Man Municipal Stadium it's about their cut of all of that as well.
0: Okay. What are your thoughts on Sean Payton and Nathaniel Hackett being on the same field?
3: <laughs> I'm here for it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not one who cares a whole lot about pregame, you know, pleasantries and who shook whose hand and who talked to whom, but you know, I don't know about there,
0: this one. Yeah. This is yeah a good there's, one.
3: there's a little TMZ, you know, nature yeah. in this one. So yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, kinda, I'm kind of, I'm kind of quasi interested in that. Uh, I mean, neither, neither team, you know, has a whole lot going for them right now, and I don't think this is going to be a crisp watch. Um, I think we've set the bar so low for Zach Wilson that, you know, him, him running a bootleg and completing a seven-yard pass with some yak tacked on is, is sort of being celebrated, you know, as this monumental. It's unbelievable, isn't it? <laughs> right.
0: It's unbelievable.
3: Like, we this guy stinks. Game? Like, really? Like, oh, okay. Uh, you know, that's where we are. That's where we are. Um look, Russell Wilson's playing decent football. Yep. Um you know, I thought Sean Payton would would, would would lose that game last week. I certainly didn't think he'd pull off the kind of comeback that his team did, you know, to beat the Bears in what could be a monumental tiebreaker for the Caleb Williams bowl. Uh I you know, I wouldn't advise people to watch this game. I I really wouldn't. Um I don't I don't know we're gonna learn too much. About the uh, NFL, no, I don't care NBA about the game.
0: I just care about those two. I just yeah, want to know. Yeah, That's the all. Game,
3: post game, do they shake each other's yeah. hand? Does somebody run up the score on somebody else? You know, all, all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, the Jets need to, to win some games here. Like the idea that you know we can't beat anybody. You know, or we only win when the other quarterback literally hands us the ball four times. I don't know that that's going to be good enough for Robert Sala. You know, I I, I think there there needs to be um, uh, some some recalibrations there. And and again, this is the kind of game that they should be able to win. The, the good, uh, I, I'm not sure that they are. Right. You know, and there there isn't a gambling aspect to this game that I love. So it's it's not high up on my pecking order. Um, no, this Dallas
0: it, San Francisco is the game people want.
3: Yeah, there's, there's, that's, that's it. That's the one where yeah. you look at both teams and say, okay, like they're 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 viable. They could be interesting not just now, <laughs> but in January or February. Yeah, I think on this slate, that one stands out pretty pretty um, significantly.
0: I agree with that. I mean, I'll get and you. I think
3: out San Francisco d- wipes them up,
0: Yeah. Well, I mean. That's the sort of game San Francisco will win and then they'll lose some one or two games where you go sure. gee I didn't expect that I mean that happens all the time That's um, a tone. I'm sure you saw the Evan Neal stuff. With the yeah. great quote where he said, Why why should a lion care about what oh, a yeah. sheep says? And then he, he ran it all back.
3: I, He's the king of the jungle, Tom, yeah. don't you know? Did you do you <laughs> it's think Evan that's Neil's world and we're all just living in it, yeah. barely, clinging? Do you you clinging think to life? that
0: somebody on the team said, You have to do this right now, right? You gotta walk this oh, back. Right?
3: Yeah, I, I think be. there was uh, efforts to contact him immediately, certainly his <laughs> representation and say, you know, what What are we going to do about this little tempest? Like, how are we going to um, show some contrition here and uh, try not to alienate further people who are spending ungodly sums of money to show up and watch this horrific product? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, The Giants have major issues. Major, major issues. Tony, they've got nine first-half points all season. They They haven't scored a
0: first-half touchdown. They're terrible. They're terrible. The first-half
3: scoring differentials like minus 68. The next closest team in terms of complete futility are the Raiders at minus 37. When you're twice as bad as the Raiders at anything, you've got problems. <laughs> um, and they play Miami this week, who, you drumroll, please, have scored 86 first half points, most in the NFL. I kind of like some Dolphins' first half action in a couple of different ways here. You get that. Um, Uh, But, yes, the Giants really have nothing going for them. And they've kind of already had a couple spots where you're like, well, maybe this is their Waterloo, and maybe that's their Waterloo. And the fact that they've had like three of those already this season, In four and games. the only time it went you know their way was the, the crazy comeback over Arizona. Arizona yeah. But but they followed that up with a with an egg, you know what I mean? And then that thing against Seattle was horrible. When Seattle is traveling cross country, can't wait bye, for Giants with and a Washington bye looming, you know? Yeah. And they just land based <laughs> you at home.
0: Yeah, Giants uh, Washington ought to be great. Those games ought to be great. <laughs>
3: Tony, there might be 30 sacks in that
0: game. It's <laughs> just unbelievable. Somebody
3: might break a single-season sack record in that game.
0: All right, All right I, have a, I have to read this for you. Normally We're I would say plug though. your radio show or plug your Washington Post work, but no, 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 now I read this. See if you like this. That was Odyssey NFL insider Jason LaConfora. Make sure to follow In The Huddle on the Odyssey app or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. How's that? Is that good?
3: Uh, it's great. I've never felt more professional or official <laughs> in my life.
0: I'll talk to you next week.
3: Thanks, guys.
0: Jason Lock and Four, We love him. We'll take a break. James Carville, Jeff Ma. When we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a song called Looking Glass. It is presented to us by River Iris, who is Grant McGuire's daughter-in-law, who lives in Phoenix. Grant McGuire from Huntington, West Virginia. He says, we appreciate you showcasing her original music. I don't know anyone else offering this valuable service to artists. Well, we're doing it because they would charge us too much if we played the Beatles. <laughs> 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 but we're happy to do it. And, and this we've played a lot of songs by River Iris. Yeah, we great. love We love River. She's just absolutely great. Wasn't there a group named Looking Glass? Yeah, they uh, brandy. brandy. That's right. One of the worst songs of Dremble all time. Song, yes. Michael, uh, <laughs> if people like River Iris want to send us their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornizershow.com. And she plays in James Carville, who had, who had a, an unbelievable believable sort of reversal of fortune on Saturday and Sunday. James took four college games, big dogs, took the dogs. They were not good at all, and then on Sunday won all three games. What do you make of that?
5: Uh Makes sense. Uh, sometimes a blind hog can find a trough. I mean, uh I don't know. We uh, we uh had a slow Saturday. We came back storming Sunday. We going into this weekend with a, a lot of momentum. Uh, I feel like the picks that we got are going to have a lot of return on the investment. So I'm I'm pretty good shape, because the way I look at it, my last three games, I'm 3-0. and That's
0: right. That's yeah. right. And 16 and 14 overall. Okay, overall. you're above 500, and it's early in the year. So what have you got for us?
5: What I got is you got uh, Georgia and uh, what's the point, Kentucky, huh?
0: Yeah, Georgia, Kentucky.
5: And, man, people are just all over Kentucky. They're a the hot coming team. Bob Stoops is a place, and Nick Saban is the greatest coach in the world. Mm-hmm. And so Therefore, you want to take Georgia.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we got Georgia 14. giving fourteen and a half. Does that look right, right to you? Right, that was all
5: I got. Okay,
0: mm-hmm. I agree with you on that. I agree. There's, there's too much hype about Bob Stoops at the, his brother Mark. Okay, what else? A uh, Stoops, right? Yeah.
5: Uh, we got the sort of Battle of Southern Ohio coming up here. Well, on the edge of our seats waiting for the great uh, Ohio University Kent State game.
0: Okay. And
5: Kent State's getting twenty-six and a half.
0: Ooh, that's a lot.
5: Twenty-six. That's a lot. Stoops play against Ohio. <laughs> not not Ohio State.
0: Right, Ohio. <laughs> yeah. The Ohio. Bobcats, not the Buckeyes. <laughs> the Bobcats. Right,
5: the Bobcats, all right. And then uh, You're gonna
0: take Kent State, right?
5: Y- yes, okay. play, but all that uh, okay. And okay. then uh, South Alabama plays Ulam. I mean, you know, Ulam University of Louisiana Monroe. Uh-huh. Oh, a great fine distinguished people in Northeast Louisiana. I'm going to take, I think they're a Warhawk. I'm going to take them 10. I think they're getting 10 and a half.
0: You're going to take Louisiana Monroe plus 10 and a half. Correct. Okay.
5: All right. And then, and then on Sunday, the Titans and the Colts are playing. An over it's, a pick. Is
0: it's a pick. Oh, it's a pick. No, it's moved now. Yeah. It's Tennessee is now minus two and a half.
5: I'm looking at the over-under.
0: Okay. Whoa. Oh. What are you taking?
5: I'm taking an over at 43.
0: Over 43. Okay. Right. All right.
5: Jets and, Jets and Broncos. Oof, brutal.
0: Yeah. We got Denver giving two and a half. Over 43. Oh, take the over. You're going to take two overs in a row, right? Uh, mm mm-hmm. Okay, what else? I mean,
5: I'm, and finally, Cowboys and 49ers.
0: Yes. Area.
5: Cowboys plus four.
0: You will take the Cowboys in San Francisco? Really? Okay. And four and four points. Okay. Don't don't forget to give me my my French. <laughs> no, I mean I'm gonna I'm to give you four, but I, I, I mean that's I don't know. Okay. All right. All right. We that's wish you good. all the luck in the world. You're right. up, you're over five hundred, so that's good. Thank you, James. All right. all right, bye. James Carville. It's so great. Everybody else in America who has James Carville on the radio this week is asking about the Speaker of the House. Everybody. There's two things you would ask about, the Speaker of the House, and now now this guy's building a wall. The other guy built the wall, and this guy said, don't build the wall. Now this guy's building a wall. So you would ask those two questions. But instead, we're asking, you're going to take Kent State with 26 and a half? Kent State. He says, it's not Ohio State, it's Ohio. Nobody is betting on the South Alabama Ula Monroe. Nobody is betting on that. Sorry, James, get James. James is betting on South Alabama, Ula Monroe. I just don't forget to give him his points. I, I don't <laughs> think Dallas is going to come within four of San Francisco. That's just me. Is Jeff with us? Jeff is with us, yes. Jeff, I had a couple of questions before we get to this. Jeff, of course, does bet the process. Jeff, two and three two weeks in a row. Not the greatest. Not the worst, but not the greatest. A couple of questions jacksonville i assume that they're now uh, just taking out visas because they're staying in london for the rest of time <laughs> i looked at that when we talked to chuck todd the other day and i said i might take jacksonville over buffalo just because they've been there for like two weeks now does that play into the line or does that play into the way people bet that jacksonville has stayed in london
6: Tony, you're becoming a very astute gambler. You've noticed these things, these small nuances where gamblers look for edges. Yeah, I mean, I think people are trying to quantify that and trying to figure out, you know, the home field and travel and all of these types of things are things that people have been largely trying to figure out for a long time. The problem with them is that over time, things have changed. Um, with the you know the convenience of travel and the you know the way that people are able to set infrastructure up when they travel, all that kind of stuff. And the other thing is that people have never really been able to figure out when you have a home field or a home field disadvantage, where that really comes from. So I think there is some, some belief that Buffalo acclimated. I'm sorry, that Jacksonville acclimating themselves yeah. there from a the standpoint of time zone and the travel and the additional preparation you know obviously if you're flying you're not able to practice and prep those days so um yeah i I think it is figured in i mean i I don't i don't know what the number is the number is probably Mm -hmm. half a point something like that um maybe even less than that uh but yeah i I do think that those things um people do try to figure out in the line and and this is where you find advantage because everyone quantifies that differently and the person who quantifies it best probably is the one that obviously gets the edge
0: and I wanted to talk. There are three uh, quarterbacks who have started all year, You know, tr- tried to start rookie quarterbacks. The kid in the Colts, uh, the kid in Carolina, and the kid at Houston who has, to this point, C.J. Stroud, has done something that has never been done in the history of the NFL. He's thrown for over 1,200 yards without any interceptions. And they're 2-2. Two and two, And they're – I don't know if they're any good, but they're better than a lot of people thought they would be is there anything on a line that 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 is reflective of rookie quarterbacks?
6: Yeah, I mean, I think the rookie quarterback situation is is very interesting because ultimately, last week you we had a situation. Uh, well, so CJ Stroud is you're talking about. He, he's playing off the charts. Yeah, like we're seeing things that like no, we haven't seen with any quarterback, and I, I think in this case it may take the lines a little while to catch up to him. Although everyone is talking about Houston right now and him. So, so maybe in this case, this week, the line will be accurate of what people think. Um, You know, I I do think in this, this Cleveland case last week, you know, um, Baltimore was a two and a half to three point underdog with Deshaun Watson starting that morning. They announced that he'll be out and that DTR will be starting. And the line really quickly moved to even. And um, then I looked at that and I said, huh, that doesn't seem like enough of a move. And then it closed around two and a half points with uh, Baltimore's being the favorite. Wow. So it moved about five points. Five points,
0: points. Like that's, yeah. Yeah.
6: That's through zero, though, which is a really not a significant number because it can't end at zero. And even those numbers between two and a half to two and a half, it doesn't get to a field goal. It doesn't cross what we call a a threshold or a key number that's just not that big a a move as big a move as you would think and in and, you know when you look at that in reflection you say this rookie who probably didn't prep all week didn't know he'd be starting gets thrown in there that probably isn't enough of a move even you know with the idea that maybe deshaun watson isn't the greatest quarterback right now um you know i think the problem with the rookie quarterback is there's a ton of volatility There's a ton of history that says that rookie quarterbacks will be terrible, especially rookie quarterbacks in their first start like that with no prep. So I I think that was a case where the line did not move enough.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, So what do you got for us this week?
6: Actually, we'll talk about some of the things we talked about, and I'm kind of betting against some of the trends we talked about. So I'm going to take Buffalo minus the 5.5 over Jacksonville. Um, I think, you know, obviously this line should be six. Or seven, and the reason it's as low as it is is because of exactly what we said. Yeah, I staying think Buffalo in London will be fine. Yeah, um, I think under a field goal, under a touchdown, or under six points, which is another key number, I like Buffalo. Okay, I'm going to take Baltimore minus the four over Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh is is, is a mess, um, and I don't think there's much of a difference at this point between Pickett and Trubisky. Um, I think Baltimore is, you know, they have had a recent Challenge with Pittsburgh, which I think will keep them as motivated as they can, and and they kind of had their hiccup against Indy. So, you know, hopefully, building off of that Cleveland win, this this will be a big win for Baltimore. Okay. I'm going to take Atlanta minus the one and a half over Houston again. Like we talked about, Houston, everyone's talking about them. What they've done has been impressive. Um, But if this line, you know, had happened in Week One, Atlanta would have been favored by over a field goal and. Atlanta's played well. Like they obviously did not play well last week um, against Jacksonville and in England, and they've had to come back and travel. So, so maybe there's some impact there. But um, I do think this line's too short. Okay. I'm going to take New England plus the one over New Orleans. Uh, really? You know, this is a this is a game where you know hopefully Belichick figures it out. We talk about Belichick in the first four games of the season experimenting I remember when I was at, at uh, ESPN when I was parking your car back in the day that, um, <laughs> New England, that that New I added the opportunity to talk to Teddy Bruschi and Teddy said you know listen the first four games of the season Belichick just uses as, as experiment and it's really he gets serious after the fourth game and so hopefully this is the game he gets serious and um, Mac Jones shows that he can be an NFL quarterback, and, and they win this game.
0: It's interesting. I mean, you know, I think Pittsburgh's a mess, and I think New England's a mess. I mean, I, I, I do. I don't think New Orleans is any good, but I just don't. I have New England now looks like a team that doesn't have good players anymore. They just don't. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. All right, what else? You got another one for us?
6: I'm going to finally take uh, Minnesota plus the four over Kansas City. Um, really? Kansas City, obviously. Yeah, I just it's just one of those games that you know you. I think you kind of like uh, hold your nose and I mean, as a four point uh, underdog at home against a Kansas City team that is obviously very good, but still not as explosive as previous Kansas City teams does not have the skill position, does not have the ability to run away, and and Kirk Cousins is the master of garbage time and the master of the backdoor cover, so I I think this is a game at home uh, where Minnesota will score some points, um, and
0: I think we'll keep this within the number. It's interesting. Who was on bet the process this week?
6: Uh we had Ben Mesrick on. Ben was the writer of Bring You Down the House, which is the yeah. book that was the MIT Blackjack Kids that I was featured in. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talk about his new mo- new movie, new book, um, which is called Dumb Money, which is the movie about the GameStop stuff. We actually have a very interesting conversation about sort of like what what the hell is journalism. I don't know if you've been seeing some of the grief that Michael Lewis has been getting for his uh new book. I uh, did see ben,
0: I did see a review that was less than flattering with somebody who I think is the best writer of nonfiction in the world, Michael Lewis. I'm a big fan. Yeah, I
6: mean, Michael's actually, Michael's actually a friend of mine, and he and I went on a hike uh, a couple weeks ago right before this book was coming out, and he was incredibly proud of this book. Um, this is the so Sam
0: Bankman-Fried book, right? This is the crypto book. Yeah,
6: it book. is the Sam Bankman-Fried book. So we, we talk a little bit on the podcast about just that whole notion of journalism and and one of the things that ben says that's pretty interesting is that oftentimes because he gets a lot of criticism because he writes the style of narrative nonfiction where he kind of you know takes a lot of liberties with what things are and he's very clear that he's not a journalist mm-hmm. and so he that gives him the freedom to do this but he talks a little bit about sometimes the worst person to talk to about a story is the main character of your story because you sometimes become to, um, you know, you, you just, you like that person too much. And when you hear the story from that person's side of you, you get a very, you know, a very uh, biased point of view. And that oftentimes makes the product, you know, not the most objective product.
0: Well, the next time you see Michael Lewis, tell him what a big fan I am. I mean, really, I just think I he's... Think
6: I think I actually did tell him. He said he was on, he said he was on PTI with you and Wilbon at one
0: point. At one time, he was. He's really, he's great. Tried to put him on the podcast recently about the... um Michael, Michael Ower yeah. stuff, but he was going to yeah. he was going to do that himself. He was going to go back and write about it. So I'm anxiously awaiting that. All right, talk to you next week. Thanks, Jeff. All right, thanks, Adam. Jeff Ma, boys and girls, we will come back with email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser.
3: You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. Yeah.
0: wonderful. It and really it's got is. a banjo in it. <laughs> and it's really wonderful. But what makes it more wonderful <laughs> it's is it's Eric DeLong and the Slappy Boys. <laughs> it's just a brilliant the name. The Slappy Boys. Come on, it's great. <laughs> Bethesda Bagel ad for us, please. Love love those boys, the Slappy Boys. Yes, Bethesda Bagel. We love Mule as well. Got the bagel sandwiches on a Friday. Very excited Friday. about that. Friday? Yes. Very exciting. Yes, BethesdaBagels.com. And if you're com. good, everybody gets one. <laughs> on the Sabbath. BethesdaBagels.com <laughs> for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then make your way there, and you will be thrilled. All right, before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, when sundown pales the sky, I want to hide a while behind your smile. And everywhere I'd look, your eyes I'd find. For me to love you now would be the sweetest thing. Wait for it. <laughs> it would make me sing, ah, but I may as well try and catch the wind. It's one of my ten favorite songs in the world by Donovan, Catch the Wind. The slow version especially. Slow version. Totally love Catch the Wind by Donovan. He's not the Scottish Bob Dylan. <laughs> no, he's, he's not. not. But he was good. He was very good. Thanks to our guests today, Buster Olney, Jason Lock and Fora, James Carville, Jeff Ma. Thanks to today's sponsors. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. Get the show through Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review. All right, from Claire... Seeger, not Corey Seeger, Claire Seeger in <laughs> Spring series. Texas, spelled, Bob differently, spelled differently. Dear Mr. Tony, the man to whom I'm related by marriage and I just returned from a fabulous two-week trip to the Pacific Northwest. You could call it the Mr. Tony experience. While planning the trip, we knew we wanted to visit the official Willamette Valley Winery of the Tony Cornizer show Bells Up. I don't know if it's official. We like Dave Specter. I don't know that I ever did that. As it turned out, our tour guide is friends with Dave and Sarah and booked us a tasting. Normally they don't meet with folks at this time of year because they're busy harvesting, but they made an exception because we're littles. The little kinship was strong, and as we spent a good, time of, a good amount of time talking about the show, we also tasted their fantastic wine. For extra Mr. Tony credit, we also visited the official Tillamook Creamery. We shared three scoops of ice cream. Sorry, not the coffee almond fudge, not a fan. Mm. To top it off, four of our six hotels were 2 robe situations, sharing a few pictures of our adventure for your enjoyment, with cheeserie. Lovely pictures. Oh, this is the winery. Isn't, that, isn't oh, that beautiful? That's gorgeous. Yeah. You know, and the and the ice cream. I I really should. I've I've it's been about a year since I've ordered from Dave. I should do that. I'll do that this week. Um, from we Matt, opened up a nice uh, Bell's up wine for you two weeks ago. Yeah, it was very nice. I took it with me. I took it home. Yeah, unexpected I? house guest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. We needed it. From Matt Little in Pearl, Mississippi, I've been paying attention to everyone's Chuck and Roxy numbers. And based on your recent amazement at how many episodes they've recorded of their podcast about a podcast, I think I know what's about to happen among us Littles who have yet to be a guest on their show. I'd like to declare that the race is on to see which guest will wind up on episode 511. Not too good, but there will be others worse than him or her, so it's not the worst they could do. After that will be a battle to see which guest will be interviewed on 920. Who among us will live long enough to be guest Mr. 3000? It's a brilliant email. <laughs> From Jolene Wojcik. Not only do I go to the Masters every year, the man to whom I'm related by marriage, plays the accordion. In his youth, instead of piano, his parents had him take accordion lessons. As a young boy he played in a talent show and was asked to go on tour with Johnny Ray Gomez. Google it. This was a big deal in Nebraska. Baffling indeed. By the way, Kelly Vickstrom Hoyt and her mailbag accordion rendition was wonderful. It was. We love Jolene. Yes. Um... From Wendy Nelson, dear Corn Heiser, you're amazed by the accordion? Try the hurdy-gurdy with all respect to Donovan and his song, The Hurdy-Gurdy Man. Oh, I know the hurdy-gurdy man. Don't you crank that or something? I don't know. I don't don't know how how it works. Yeah, I'm not sure All all I know is the who with Squeezebox. Yes. From Derek Brown, I miss when Nigel was surprised every time you asked him to thank Bethesda bagels. (laughs) Derek from Akron. From Ken Scudder in Tacoma Park, Maryland. (laughs) While shopping at Target yesterday, I saw something that I think would be perfect for you to eat on days when Bethesda bagels does not provide your breakfast. Pumpkin Spice Frosted Flakes. Just think you can eat the flakes, then drink the aromatic combination of milk, cinnamon, nutmeg, cloves, and ginger right out of the bowl. It's like bringing Starbucks home without having to get in your Subaru. (laughs) Pretty wise. Spencer and Southie. You've done a good job, a great job over the last couple of years and make it clear just how much you hate pumpkin flavor in dishes and drinks. While a strong position, it is not an uncommon one, perhaps even a reasonable one, though my Trader Joe pumpkin pancakes were phenomenal this weekend. A point that I take issue with, or at least need clarification on, is when you stated last month I hate pumpkins. I, can I just say that I stated it like 20 years ago. It's just a drop. <laughs> they just play it. Yes. You being a doctor of humane letters, you know how important that S can be. Are you telling us now... That when driving out to Rehoboth, you might pass a pumpkin patch and start muttering angrily to yourself or Carol about the innocent gourds? Or that when Bootsy, the Hammer, and the Captain are decorating jack-o'-lanterns, you refuse to visit Michael due to your inevitable rage at the sight of the bright orange fr- fruit? Help us out, Grandpa. Just how deep does this hatred go? I- I'm fine with the, with, the, with the pumpkin fruit. Yes. I hate all of the flavor that it exudes And hate all of the products that are infused with said flavor. Is that fair to say? And you're okay with the symbol of the pumpkin. Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. Bob in Atlanta. Today I received in the U.S. mail a thing from Cigna. It's addressed to the previous owner of the house I live in. She died in 2003. Maybe the indifference isn't calculated after all. From Tim Hall in Calabash, North Carolina. Listening to Michael's story of his school field trip to the farm made me think of my son's first school trip. He was seven years old, and we had just returned to the United States after completing his adoption in Kazakhstan. He watched the farmer milk a cow, and we explained to him that's where his milk from his cereal came from. Then a nearby cow began to urinate, and my wide-eyed son looked up and said, Apple juice? Thanks for the years of entertainment. Was a brilliant email. From Elaine Caffrey in Duluth, Georgia. When I was a kid one summer, I was visiting family who lived on the face of the sun, also known as Statesboro, Georgia. That's a song by the Youngbloods, Statesboro Blues. I think it's the Youngblood. It could be the Love and Spoonful, Statesboro Blues. Uh, My younger cousin was outside playing hard, as little kids do. He came into the house hot and sweaty, and his mother gave him the original-flavored green Gatorade, which he guzzled down and then immediately threw up (laughs) all over her lovely 1970s kitchen. It's been a no for me ever since. No flavor, no way. From Adam Benson, who emails us frequently from St. John's, Newfoundland. If the new game is, who would you recommend as the new Speaker of the House? Then my pick is Evelyn. Yes. She seems to get the job done. We can back that. Best pharmacist in the world. From Graham J. Larson. I'm a real estate agent in Los Angeles. When I take an Uber and I don't feel like talking about real estate, I dress up like a professional golfer. <laughs> Yours, Graham J. Larson, by way of St. Holland's class of 1986. <laughs> It's just sort of wonderful. Yeah, that's great. From Aaron in Milwaukee. I enjoyed the band you played on Monday's show, Something Picasso. Titanic is one of my favorite movies, and I think their name is a reference to a scene in the movie. The wealthy Kate Winslet is unpacking Picasso paintings in her stateroom while her fiance dismisses the purchase as a waste of money. I'm paraphrasing the exchange. The paintings are fascinating. There's truth but no logic. Who's the artist? Something Picasso. Something Picasso. It <laughs> won't It'll amount to never anything. amount to a thing.
1: Trust <laughs> Promise me. you that. That's She'll wonderful. have the lamb.
0: Rare. That's wonderful. <laughs> yes. That's wonderful. Yeah, that really is. Brian Pyle in Derby, England, near where you were born. Mm. I'm aware of your interest of all things lunar. And I thought I'd give you a heads up about this month's solar eclipse. The moon will pass in front of the sun on the 14th of October. From a DC point of view, only 30% of the solar disk will be obscured by the moon. Maximum coverage of the sun will take place along a line that runs from Oregon through the four corners of Utah, Colorado, Arizona, and New Mexico, leading to the south coast of Texas. It's a pity that the fullness of this celestial event will only be witnessed by sheep <laughs> in the time zone. In the time zone. Uh, Brendan Bianowitz. In Bloomfield, New Jersey, hoping this finds you alive at the very least and well if Emily at the pharmacy did her job correctly. <laughs> I've thought about writing this stinking show for a while now for any number of topics, games, raff and hullabaloo. What's finally pushed me to actually putting digital pen to digital papers to invite you to celebration of my legal fusing in the eyes of the government to the woman I'll soon be related to by marriage. Our wedding will be at the Nassau Inn, the Nassau Inn in Princeton, New Jersey, old Nassau, yeah. which is how they refer to Princeton all the time. Friday, October 6th, so that is today. T- today. That's the right. day. We'll get in the call right a after this. A date that is surely too short notice, <laughs> yes it is, for you or any of the many loyal littles to attend, which is the main condition for inviting you in the first place. If you were to make it, we just ask that you stand for the national anthem as our first dance as a newly related couple by marriage will be to Van Morrison's Into the Mystic. We very, hope, very much hope to not see you there. It's very nice. From Mark Finer in Greenwich, Connecticut. As a self-appointed unofficial interim English teacher of the Tony Kornheiser Show, I share this dispatch from the front lines of the Nobel Prize in Literature. If Louise Gluck was one degree away from you in geography, this year's winner is that close in his chosen subject matter. According to the New York Times, Norwegian author John Fosse, quote, grapples with themes of aging, mortality, love, and art. His plays and prose give voice to the unsayable. Mr. Tony, you've been saying unsayable things for decades. This guy comments on aging or mortality. That's your whole oeuvre. What's John Fossey have to say about mysteriously swollen and distressing purple shins? Not much, I venture to say. Has he written with as much insight and nuance as you have spoken on the subject of lousy customer service or the disappearance of cash money or the indignities of being outdriven even when playing from the golds? I think not. Mr. Tony, you've been robbed. You are the poet laureate of impending death, not some two-bit Norwegian cousin of a guy who invented jazz hands. I demand a recount. It's really good.
3: How different my life would be if I
0: can move to Greenwich, Connecticut. How good is this? From Mike Chaput, as in Chaputsva, in Aiken, South Carolina. Lovely small town. Aiken, South Carolina. Uh, An hour away from Augusta? Yeah. About that. Your clip of Koufax and Gibson on PTI last week made me smile. My dad, who left us too soon, told stories of officiating intramural basketball with Mr. Gibson at Creighton in the mid-50s. Any mention of Mr. Gibson brings back memories of my father. In addition, we moved to St. Louis in 1963 and enjoyed the glory years. This, of course, included the Ernie Brolio trade for Lou Brock. Nice job, Cubs. One last reminder of Gibson's prowess. Innings pitched per game in 1968. Oh, yeah. 7799, 1211, 8, 11, What are we even talking about here? From Jay Heck. Uh, sorry you got Hectored recently, but I'd like to say thank you for using that term, with my last name being Heck. Hector's been the nickname of my dad and brothers our whole lives, and we've heard Heck used in all sorts of ways. Sure as heck fire you have. <laughs> Hectoring is not a term people use very much anymore, and it was good to hear it. Also, in the past, you have given my wife Susan a shout-out for best wishes in her fight against cancer. I'm happy to report that after two tumor removals, she's now two years cancer-free, which is wonderful. That's great that. Okay. Um, this is from Mark Lynch in Camby, Indiana. The following things I would support if they were called three guys and a chimp, three guys and a chimp bar and grill, three guys and a chimp political party, three guys and a chimp morning show, three guys and a chimp race team, three guys and a chimp barbershop. That's good to know, Mark. Yes, it That's is. That's good to know. We got one a while back from uh, Tom Williams, 76 years old, and just said Yankees. And this is obviously on the subject of. Oh, the Mount Rushmore. Yeah, Mount Rushmore. He just writes in Yogi Berra. That's it. Yogi won like 10 World Series. Won a lot of World Series. Yes. Yogi Berra is, and I don't say this, I say this from personal experience, but because I learned it from the great baseball writers I worked with in my life, going all the way back to Newsday with Steve Jacobson, Joe Gergen, and Joe Donnelly, and Murray Chass at the New York Times, people like that. Yogi Berra was the best bad ball hitter in the history of baseball. You throw something O2 high and outside, It's a double. It's a double if you're out of your bike, time everyone as always do wear one who is tony
4: tony
5: kornhauser who is that that's a pti guy on the SPF.
4: okay <laughs> <laughs> mr tony had three chickens and he gave them all names the chickens were rejoicing said hooray we're all saved I said, don't get too cocky, your path may yet be narrow. What's your names? They said, Novak Djokovic, Dominic Smith, and Wander Swero. What's your names? They said, Novak Djokovic, Dominic Smith, and Wander Swero. Well, Novak, he went pecking all around the yard. Dominic Smith said, let's relax, drink beer, and play some cards. Wander Swero burped and casually shot his bow and air. Three doom chickens Novak Djokovic Dominic Smith And Wander Swero Mr. Tony He came outside And fired up his grill Stirred some barbecue sauce He smiled and ate a kosher dill Said, where's my three little chickadees I'm hungry as the Pharaoh I named you Novak Djokovic Dominic Smith And Wander Swero I named you Novak Djokovic Dominic Smith And Wander Swero